Hi, this is Lita Curry for Talent Talks in conversation with Paddy Upton. Paddy is a team coach and a leadership coach. Um, you might recognize him from his um, coaching in sports, specifically the Indian and the South African national cricket teams. Um, he's also done coaching in professional T20 leagues around the world. Um, Paddy has a master's in sports and a master's in business and currently is a professor at the Deakin University in Melbourne. Paddy has just published a book called The Barefoot Coach, Life-Changing Insights from Coaching the World's Best Cricketers. Paddy, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks very much, Lita. Good to be here. In your book, you mention that winning is important, but not winning at all costs. What does that mean? Um, Okay, I mean, I think the first thing is to define what is winning, Um, and it's different in each different context. Certainly in a, in a cricket context, for example, winning means scoring more runs than the other guys and winning the game. Um, and we've seen that, uh, to use a, a really practical example of, let's say, the Australian national cricket team that won the 2015 World Cup. Um, it's, a, it's a great achievement, obviously, to win the World Cup. That is the, that is the pinnacle of, of winning and of success. But what not many knew, for example, that was a very divided team. It was really an unpleasant team to play for. But you had a bunch of high, highly talented individuals all performing to score runs and take wickets for themselves, not for the team. Uh, that also, the, the team was paid more money to win games than they were to draw or to lose games. So it was even further rewarded. The winning at all costs that gave uh, permission, permission was granted, for example, for sledging, which in cricket is verbally abusing an opponent in order to try and distract them. Um, and that type of behavior, and it was, it's an open secret that Australia actually led the world in terms of being uh, the, the team that sledged most often. Um, and, you know, the question I ask is what kind of human verbally abuses another human being in order to possibly gain a momentary advantage in this moment, and they may or may not get that individual out, but they get remembered at, at, as the type of person that does that kind of behavior for the rest of their lives. So sledging might win in this moment, but in terms of the long term, um, there's a serious blotch on the person's character that goes with them for the rest of their lives. Um, but that led to uh, what uh, anyone who followed cricket would have seen last year at Newlands. Um, with one of the Australian cricketers taking a piece of sandpaper onto the ball and actually sandpapering a cricket ball. And it emerged that in that particular game, Australia were on the back foot, they were they were losing the game, and a senior player coerced a junior player to illegally take a piece of sandpaper on the ball, to sandpaper, get it to reverse swing, to just in that particular moment get an advantage over the South African team. And that happened, that senior player did it, uh, coerced a junior player in front of the captain who did nothing. And that's really where this long period of the winning at all cost attitude that existed in the Australian team, and no one really even questioned the team, no one questioned the behaviour because they were doing really well. And unfortunately, that's what happens with individuals and teams that do really well for a long period of time. They, they struggle to actually self-audit their, themselves and their behaviour. And... Those in the know knew for two, three years before the Sandpaper Gate incident at Newlands last year that this Australian team was at some point going to come unstuck because of the behaviour that was endorsed by this winning at all costs attitudes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's 
it's quite patently clear for everyone to see that, you know, a lot of our, our political leaders, not only in our country, but in a number of other countries, that they're not necessarily leading to to provide and serve the people that they, and the, the causes they're supposed to be serving. Um, so it's defining winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the situation at Newlands was absolutely shocking. What do you think that has meant for the Australian cricket team's reputation? Well, it, it significantly damaged their, their reputation. Um, a lot of fans turned away from the game. Um, sponsors left the game. You know, someone like Steve Smith, who was the captain, who his crime was not to stop uh, that David Warner coercing Cameron Bancroft. Steve Smith himself in the next one, 12 months lost an, uh, $5 million Aussie dollars, which is 50 million rand in loss of earnings. Uh, that's just as one individual, as a result of not stopping somebody doing the wrong thing. So the consequences on, on the individuals, uh, on the game itself in Australia, on the fan following, on the, the finances, um, were significant. And we find almost always that short-term focus of winning at all costs in this moment, you might win in this moment, but it's not for long-term. You need to do the same thing again. Australians, to win the next game, they would need to sandpaper the ball again. Mm. Whereas the consequences of getting caught pursuing that winning at all costs and um, behaviour that might be illegal, or that the consequences of that goes extends into the long-term. Um, and, you know, that's often a decision that we talk about that in cricket. Um, you know, maybe there's one of your star players, for example, I've had this a number of times as a coach, as one of the star players is sort of carrying an injury, we're going into an important game, and there's pressure from the selectors to play the, the key player to win this game. But yes, we might win this game with this key player, but if they get injured, they'll get injured for three to six months, we'll lose them. So very often, winning at all costs is actually a very short-term, short focus. Um, and I would always go for the long, medium to long-term win. Uh, so I would urge to not pick that player. I'd rather lose this game, but have the, that player fully recovered and available to play in the next three to six months than win this game with this person and risk losing for three to six months. So very often, winning at all costs is a short-term um, outlook. Yeah. And I think as, as business people, we, we very often face those same situations. It's about the next quarter earnings. It's about the next month's figures. How, how do we in business take that lesson to heart? What is it that we need to look out for? Well, I think it's, it's to start with the leaders asking themselves seriously, what, how do I define winning? How do I define success? What does it really mean to me? And one of the ways that I'd love to do that is to project to after you've retired and you, you're giving this lesson to your children, your grandchildren about how to conduct yourself around success and winning and how would you define it? Yeah. So I'm hearing you say almost predefining that beforehand, saying what is it that we want to win about, but what is it that we are not willing to give up on so that when the chips are down and the, and the stress is up, you know how to take that decision and you don't have to, as you say, go down that slippery slope. Yeah, and that's you know that that starts boiling down to that those old things that we sort of again it's um, it's rhetoric um, things like morals um, values and character you know we get defined um, by the way we conduct ourselves both in the sports field and in the business environment and 
by the end of our career, um, it's not necessary. People don't remember our results of whether you scored 100 or you had a great quarter in 2013 or something like that. People forget results very quickly. As soon as the next result comes out, they forget the previous result. But people don't forget the way we conducted ourselves in the process of either achieving or falling short of those results. That's the kind of stuff we we are remembered for the rest of our life, really, for. Um, and results they really are short-term. And for me, even when it comes to, you know, I've been involved in World Cup crickets, cricket games, and I'm quite frankly, even when losing a World Cup cricket game in the context of life is pretty inconsequential. Um, when you look at someone who's, you know, got cancer, you look at countries who've got, you know, starvation and, you know, stuff out there that's happening that is consequential in the world. So hitting a court or something, you know, just how important is it? Yeah. So it really around our legacy is not what we achieve necessarily. It's it's how we behave. Correct. And it's a combination of those. It's how we behave around, you know. Around how we achieve. we looking to yeah. achieve. You know, I'm, I'm reminded that, you know, Sachin Tendulkar, he played for 23 years um, for India. He scored 100 international hundreds, you know, a, a record that probably no one will ever come close to. And I remember during the 2000, 2011 World Cup, he was in his uh, 21st year of international cricket. And in a team meeting, somebody said to him, what's the most significant um, moment in your career, which, as I said, was a time as a 21-year-long career. He said it was when he represented his country as a test cricket at the age of 16. And so sort of I thought, well, that's a pretty obvious thing. I mean, representing your country at 16 in test cricket is amazing. But he said, but it wasn't representing my country. It's what happened when I came back from my first tour. And he said, one of my 16-year-old teammates came to me from my Mumbai team and he said, Sachin, I'd like to speak openly on, on behalf of your friends. Uh, do, can I have a permission? And Sachin said, yes, go ahead. And his, Sachin relayed the story with the one 16-year-old uh, telling him that um, we recognize that you're a better cricketer than us. Um, but since you've been playing for India, you're behaving as if you're more important and a more special person than we are. And we don't like it. And he said to him that was the most significant moment in his career when he realized that what I accomplish in cricket and who, who I'm being are two different things. And he set out then as a 16-year-old to work on as much on being a good cricketer as he worked on being a grounded, humble, um, likable human being. Um, and even as in his 21st year, he worked hard on keeping his feet on the ground in a country where he literally was worshipped as a god. Yeah, what a great story. Awesome. This is Lita Carey in conversation with Paddy Upton for Talent Talks. Paddy, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure.